0: We've been waiting for you. Come on in. It's Talk 10 Tuesday with Chuck Buck and Dr. Erica Riemer. Today, we welcome professional coder, auditor, and consultant Terry Fletcher to report on the myths surrounding the coding of telehealth services. And making his debut appearance on Talk 10 Tuesday is the newly elected president of the Healthcare Administrators Association, Ernie Klovenger. We'll get the latest coding news from Laurie Johnson. Dr. John Selim adds another entry in his Journaling John, M.D., Tim Paul is at the Tuesday news desk, and Dr. Reamer presents her talkback segment. Now here's the publisher of ICD-10 Monitor, the host of Talk 10 Tuesday, and a man who almost had a traffic accident, so he called the Barnes firm to see what that might be worth, Chuck Buck.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Clark. Yeah, I did it. As a matter of fact, had bender, a bender. Thank you, Clark Anthony. Hello, everybody. And walk through the 516th imagine, 516th live edition of Talked Into Tuesday. And good morning, Eric, and welcome back. You were missed last Tuesday.
2: Well, I missed <laughs> you too, but it was fun visiting with my sister and other family. Good morning, everyone.
1: Welcome back, and by the way, the public health emergency has been renewed for another 90 days.
2: That's good, because my niece just came down with COVID for the third time, and my son caught his Omicron in Europe. The pandemic is not over.
1: Oh, you know, with that renewal, there will be some confusion, and that's why we asked our consultant, Terry Fletcher, to be with us today, because of the uh, waivers. And fortunately... Terry's on the broadcast. He's going to dispel some of those rumors that have been circulating and swirling around telehealth. So, Erica, talking about swirling around, what's going on in your head today for your talkback segment?
2: I'm going to be discussing the physician fee schedule proposed rule for 2023 and the changes that are coming.
1: Excellent. I always look forward to your talkback segment. We have a lot of news reporting. Of course, we begin this morning with Tim Powell, who was at the Talk 10 Tuesday news desk.
3: Thanks, Chuck. And. At the end of May, Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Becerra announced that the Medicare Part B premiums paid by Medicare beneficiaries for 2022 should be reduced to account for an overestimate of costs related to Aduhelm, which is a new drug for Alzheimer's. Since the premium could not be adjusted in the middle of the 2022 year, the reduction of premium costs attributed to Aduhelm will be included in Medicare premiums for 2023 to lower Part B premiums paid by Medicare beneficiaries, according to Becerra. In a statement from CMS, Secretary Becerra's decision to lower Medicare beneficiaries premium payments come after he received a report from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services concluding that cost savings from lower than expected Part B spending on AGIHOME could be passed along to Medicare beneficiaries by lowering the 2023 Part B premium. Continuing, uh, per the CMS, after receiving the CMS report reevaluating the 2022 Medicare Part B premiums, we have determined that we can put cost savings directly back into the pockets of people enrolled in Medicare in 2023, said Secretary Becerra. What is Aduhelm, and how can a single drug change the Medicare Part B premium? Aduhelm is the first Alzheimer's drug to come out in decades. New drugs are very expensive. And as someone I know that worked for a drug manufacturer told me, certain drugs are life-saving and life-improving commodities, but they are commodities and drug companies will charge as much as they can to maximize profits. If Adjahelm was really a drug that improved or extended lives of Alzheimer's patients, it might be worth paying these costs. However, in the case of Adjahelm, there were clinical trials in which patients received high doses of the drug. After reviewing the drug's data, the, an FDA advisory panel was doubtful about the evidence proving Agihelm's efficacy. 10 out of 11 members of the panel voted against the drug's approval, and the 11th was unsure of the data. If Becerra's comment, is Becerra's comment really double talk to indicate that the drug will not be widely prescribed by Medicare, or that the drug manufacturer got cold feet and charging high rates for the drug, I think it's a little of both. And with that, back to you, Chuck.
1: Thanks, Tim, very much. That was Tim Powell. Tim is the NASA correspondent for ICD-10 Monitor. It is Tuesday. It's July 26, and you're listening to the 516th live edition of Talk 10 Tuesday. Stand by.
0: Reviewing the American Hospital Association's ICD-10-CMPCS quarterly coding clinic guidance is vital to ensure correct assignment of codes. Each quarter, the AHA examines coding issues, new procedures, and technology, and provides updates to previous coding guidance. Having an expert at your fingertips to make sense of the guidance can help coding professionals fully master current requirements and guidelines. And, backed by popular demand, ICD-10 Monitor is offering an exclusive on-demand webcast that will review important information released in the second quarter, 2022, AHA ICD-10 CMPCS Coding Clinic. Coding educator Kay Piper will review and report on the guidance published so that you are up to date with compliant coding guidelines. Register now to receive this straightforward on-demand recap of the second quarter coding clinic shortly after the official AHA guidance is published.
1: Now's the time for the Tucked In Tuesday Coding Report with Laurie Johnson and good morning Laurie Johnson.
4: Good morning, Chuck, and happy birthday. Good morning, Erica, and hello to our listeners. There are two topics today that I want to cover. One is new COVID vaccine and administration codes and the September Coordination and Maintenance Committee meeting. On July 22nd, the MLN Connects announced that there are three new CPT codes which are effective as of July 13th, 2022. The codes are for the Novavax COVID-19 vaccine. The vaccine product is 91304, which is described as COVID-19 vaccine recombinant spike protein nanoparticle saponin based adjuvant preservative free, five micrograms per 0.5 milliliter dosage for intramuscular use. Code 0041A is assigned for the administration of the first dose. Code 0042A covers the second dose administration of the vaccine. Remember to visit the COVID-19 Vaccine Provider Toolkit for the most current list of codes, payment allowances, and effective dates. The July 22nd Federal Register published information about the September 13th and 14th Coordination and Maintenance Committee meeting. This meeting will be held virtually. The Federal Register includes a tentative agenda. The CMS agenda for the PCS codes includes administration of two new drugs, will, which will not be discussed, but they are entertaining comments on, um, on those drugs external support device for AV fistula creation, implantation of polymethyl methacrylate cranioplasty plates, insertion of transcatheter bicable valve system, implantation of bioprosthetic femoral venous valve, intubated prone positioning, and the Xcode updates. The subjects; um, these subjects also include four requests for new technology add-on payments. The and also the NTAPS are for fiscal year 24, so it's that's out a little ways. The diagnosis code topics include extraocular muscle entrapment, IgA nephropathy, inappropriate sinus tachycardia, insulin resistance syndrome, leukodystrophies. Um, non-traumatic coma, not elsewhere classified, and sickle cell retinopathy. Please note that the website for the Coordination and Maintenance Committee meeting has not been updated as of this morning. Um, it looks like Friday was a really busy day in the coding world, Erica.
2: All right, Lori, thank you. That was Lori Johnson. Lori is a Senior Healthcare Consultant at Revenue Cycle Solutions, LLC. Chuck?
1: Thanks, Erica, and thank you again, Lori Johnson. Be sure to read Lori Johnson's excellent article. It's in today's ICD-10 Monitor. Coming up next, another journal entry from Dr. John Zellum. But first, this important message.
0: Journaling John MD is sponsored today by HITEX, a clinical informatics organization dedicated to bringing the most advanced technology and people to assist healthcare professionals at the point of care. And provide proactive workflow assistance to clinical documentation integrity, mm. computer-assisted physician documentation, and clinical decision support. All of Hi-Tech's products are integrated into the EPIC EHR front-end user interface. Find them at hitechs.com.
1: Here now with our special segment called Journaling John M.D. is Dr. John Zellem. Good
5: morning, Dr. Zellem. Good morning to you, Chuck, and good morning to everybody Last week, I had the opportunity to perform my first peer-to-peer for a Medicare Advantage program denial for the hospital that I am physician advisor for. Not my first peer-to-peer ever, but first one for this hospital. Much to my surprise, it was somewhat of a pleasant experience as if that doesn't sound like an oxymoron. I suspect it was not unlike what so many of you have experienced on your own. Once I registered for the events, Uh, I, I was given, or in this situation, I was actually able to pick my and then assigned a window of time when the call would occur. I liken this experience to getting a window of time for when a service person will arrive or when new furniture will be delivered. There is a subliminal undertone to this process in my mind, as I as often believe that says their time is more important than mine. It also sets a tone of they are in charge, almost a superiority of sorts. This may not be unintentional, though, like being before a judge and pleading your case. When the call did occur, superficial pleasantries were exchanged, and then the real work began. It became a game of cat and mouse, or maybe even like chess. This is what they know, and this is what I know, and obviously I was the mouse. In addition, there is a playbook behind it all called Criteria, but you're never really allowed to know exactly what their playbook states. Oh, you may get snippets, but not the entirety, like being in a maze without direction. Then the game of chess starts, and who has the final single, solitary move that wins the exchange? We went tit for tat, and who had the Trump information, who had the real evidence to change it from check to checkmate? We started with the interqual disclaimer, stating that the criteria should not be the final determinant for payment, which, by the way, was kind of passed over with a pseudo-acknowledgement. Then onto the clinicals. Knowledge gaps were filled, which essentially allowed me to say, check. Next, it was stated that the patient got better and I followed with my comment, but isn't that the reason to be in the hospital? Then it was time to go after the king, continuing the chess analogy. I started with my advantage, knowledge of the two midnight rule regulations and statements from 42 CFR 422.101, both regulations that should all should know when dealing with a Medicare Advantage denial. They really are not refutable. Shortly after divulging that information, I heard, quote, well, I have enough information to turn the denial goodbye, end of quote, with an immediate end to the conversation. Checkmate, I overturned the denial. Yay. Back to you, Erica.
2: Thanks, John. That was Dr. John Zellum. Dr. Zellum is the founder and CEO of Streamline Solutions Consulting, and he's the physician advisor for Cameron Memorial Community Hospital. Chuck?
1: Coming up next, a special guest appearance of the newly elected president of the Health Care Administrators Association, Eric Clevenger, and his vision for health care. That story is next. And a program reminder, you're listening to the 560th live edition of Talked in Tuesday. Stand by.
0: Attention coding professionals and all HIM professionals, there's an upcoming three day conference you need to attend to remain compliant with the 2023 Inpatient Prospective Payment System. It's the IPS Summit, produced by ICD 10 Monitor. During this exclusive three day summit, you'll learn about the 2023 changes associated with the IPS, including new ICD 10 CM and PCS codes, plus insights, analysis, and answers to questions. Register now to attend. The sessions begin August 16th and continue the 17th and 18th. That's the annual Ips Summit, produced by ICD-10 Monitor. Register now at the ICD-10 Monitor Bookstore.
1: Today, we're honored to have on the broadcast the newly elected president of the Healthcare Administrators Association, Ernie Claviger. Good morning, Ernie, and welcome to Talking Tuesday. To you're the newly elected president of the HCCA, but you're certainly not new to healthcare, are you? And so tell me, Ernie, what do we need to know about the future of HCCA, according to you?
6: Oh, Chuck, thank you so much. And uh, hello, everyone. Uh, HCAA is a uh, healthcare administrators uh, association. We just had our most successful conference in St. Louis where a record number of third-party administrators, stop-loss carriers and others uh, assembled. And uh, the goal here was to bring us up to date with current happenings with healthcare. More importantly, and part of the vision that I wanted to share with HCAA and its members is what are the immediate actions that are being taken. Only a few days earlier, the Supreme Court had made the decision on Dobbs, which impacted Roe versus Wade, which has a direct impact on so many states and the way third-party administrators must conduct their business across state lines. And so many questions were swirling around in that room. We brought in an attorney in order to address those and had a very lively dialogue. Uh, That's an example of part of the vision of immediacy. The second part of the vision is longer term and that is what's happening down the road that could impact the way self-funded health care is delivered by a third-party administrator or, or other. Here's an example. When will we start thinking of telemedicine first? And if we need to see a doctor, then we go see the physician in person. I believe that's where we will go. I think that we as patients would become lifelong laboratories where the devices that we wear and the patient reporting gives back information. And when anomalies arise, then healthcare jumps in in order to meet that need. So it's flipping healthcare on its side. And uh, that kind of future thinking is where our organization needs to focus because we need to know where the puck is going. Where instead of where it is right now. Thank you very much for uh, for allowing me to speak today. And Erica, back to
2: you. Thank you, Ernie. That was the newly elected president of the Healthcare Administrators Association, Ernie Clevenger. Chuck.
1: Thanks, Erica, and thank you, Ernie. Uh, by the way, Ernie is also the president of Care Here. It's a premier health company that manages about 800 medical centers in 44 states, serving 11 million individuals. And Ernie is also the publisher of My Health Guide. It's a newsletter and is published nationally, and it's focused on self-funded health community. Now is the time for our nationally recognized professional auditor, coder, and consultant, Terry Fletcher. She's going to be reporting our lead story, and good morning, Terry.
7: Good morning, Chuck, and welcome back, Erica. It was my pleasure to sit in for you last week. As we announced last week, the public health emergency was extended for the 10th time and will now continue through October 13, 2022. But that does not mean that all waivers under the 2020 1135 CARES Act are still in effect. Now, in saying that, the AMA and many commercial payers, in their anticipation that the PHE would have ended over a year ago, had added certain place of service code revisions and modifiers and policy updates to the CPT book and certain contracts from commercial plans. And so there is some confusion on what is accurate for today in reporting telehealth services. So we want to clear up some of those myths for you and because we want your practice to be compliant. So here are the rules for Medicare. And I do have some commercial plan feedback as well that you want to take note of. But I strongly recommend that you have a point person in your office checking in with your commercial contracts for individual coverage policies of telehealth. And if reimbursement for these services have shifted, you want to know. I have a 15-page spreadsheet on all of the different commercial plans and what they're doing, and nobody's consistent. So let's start with Medicare realities. To go in office visit code 99202 to 215, there must be both an audio and video connection with the patient. So that's interactive two-way audio and video where they can interact. If there is no video connection during the patient encounter, the visit becomes a telephone call code, from the 99441 to 443 codes for an MD, DO, nurse practitioner, PA, and these codes are not permitted for non-physician clinical staff that cannot, and I'm air quoting, report independently to Medicare. The telehealth platform must be listed and documented in the medical report, and if not a HIPAA-secured EMR, but if you're using a smartphone video chat like FaceTime or Skype, which is allowed, the patient needs to be informed that the link may not be HIPAA-secured. Consents need to, be tamed, may, need to be obtained once a year and document the patient's record. Remember, we're in, going into year three now, so have you updated those consents? If the video portion of the audio and video visit cuts out during the visit, make sure time is documented because this visit now may become a phone call CPT code if the majority of the visit is audio only, that's according to CMS FAQ sheet. You can still use either time or medical decision-making to level your, your code, but make sure medical necessity is always existing within that service. Giving patients test results over the phone, refilling prescriptions, or calling patients to schedule referrals does not fall into the category of medically necessary telehealth visits. Physicians, again, MDDOs or NPPs, PAs, nurse practitioners, clinical nurse specialists, can report telehealth services with the office visit codes. again, as long as the audio and video connection exists. Other QHPs on the telehealth approved list meaning physical therapists, OT, speech pathologists, which do not fall into the category of e but more likely a therapy code, can be bill for their specific services under telehealth. A statement to confirm the telehealth visit is to slow or stop the spread of COVID-19 should be reflected in the patient's medical record. This will reflect good faith and not only just for the convenience of the billed services. That's actually a best practices tip. Now let me clear up some myths. CPT updated their place of service codes and O2, for O2, which is for telehealth visit location, where the patient is not in their home, and place of service 10 is a location when the patient is in their home, at the originating site or where the patient is. Well, CPT added this to their website, it's not in our current book, but it is for 2022. However, Medicare continues to state that until the public health emergency has expired, use the place of service you would have used to have the patient come to your office in person. So that would be place of service 11 or 22 if you're in the office. I bring this up because many practices went right away, I kind of call it, go, went rogue and used the place of service codes that became effective without confirming Medicare's continued policy under the PHE. Well, they're now getting a 20% reduction in reimbursement, and it's really hard to capture that back or to try to get the payer to pay your year extra. I also have clients test these modifiers with a couple of commercial plans, and again, They got a reduction in their reimbursement for telehealth services. There's also a modifier 93 that was created to reflect an audio-only visit. visit. But under Medicare, since phone call codes were activated during the public health emergency, this is not used for those services at this time during the PHE, and you will see denials if you use that. Check with your commercial plans in this policy, because they're all over the place if they want you to use it or not. And last, for behavioral services, two HCPCS modifiers, which are Medicare modifiers, FQ for audio only, and FR for when the physician is present. These are in effect now since many behavioral health services were made permanent under the telehealth. However, read the fine print. FQ says audio only when a a person is not able to have an in-person or audio and video visit, or if that's unavailable. So make sure you're documenting well. The OIG is currently working on nine different areas of focus for telehealth audits for Medicare Part B services during public health emergency. So, it's imperative you're working under the published guidance and not someone's passed along opinion. There's always more where this came from, but that's what we have time for today. So, with that, Erica, back to you.
2: Thanks, Terry. That was Terry Fletcher, nationally recognized professional coder, auditor, and consultant. Now's the time for a
1: very popular segment here at Dr. N. Tuesday, and it's called Talk Back, and it features our own Dr. Erica Rimmer. Thanks. The
2: 2023 Physician Fee Schedule proposed rule is out, although the official published version drops on Friday. Comments will be taken until September 6, 2022. Remember the changes that were made to the CPT Evaluation and Management Guidelines for office and outpatient visits in 2021? We knew that this next set of revisions was coming, and here it is. I'm going to be talking about the significant changes specifically to the hospital code set. Currently, there are two sets of CPT codes, one for inpatient and one for observation services, which is an outpatient status for observation services. I'm going to refer to it as observation. After January 1st, 2023, these are going to be combined into a single hospital and observation care code set subdivided into initial and subsequent care and discharge services. It isn't strictly dependent on being physically present in a hospital setting because outpatient in a bed will continue to utilize office and outpatient care codes. Professional billing in all settings is going to be based on either medical decision-making or total time. Except in the emergency department, which never utilizes um, time-based billing unless it's critical care. MDM has four levels: straightforward, low, moderate, and high. There are three elements that contribute to determining that level of complexity: the number and complexity of problems that are addressed during the encounter, the amount and/or complexity of data to be reviewed and analyzed, and risk of complications, and or morbidity or mortality of patient management. There are a few changes and a few points to emphasize. History and physical examination are no longer going to be mandatory elements. However, an interval history, that is what happened since I last documented on this patient, and a pertinent physical examination are always important for good medical care and for medical legal reasons, So don't let your providers think that they don't have to do history and physical examination anymore. Problems must be addressed to count them. If the patient has developed some side effect from treatment or a new issue cropped up, that's the focus of today's encounter. Copy and pasting an assessment and plan, which is no longer relevant, should be discouraged. You don't get credit for conditions which are found on a problem list but are not being addressed. Data should be analyzed, not just copy and pasted or raw results documented. Management options which are discussed and not undertaken can constitute a significant risk, but only if they are documented. For instance, if a patient has made comfort care and that decision is revisited every encounter, it should be mentioned in the progress note and taken into consideration when assigning a level of service. Social determinants of health are considered moderate risk. If they significantly limit diagnosis or treatment, I recommend a macro be designed to document it in that fashion. Although the code For social determinants of health can be picked up from anyone, the contribution to the risk needs to be in relationship to the impact on the diagnoses or care in order for it to count towards the complexity of medical decision making. A new entry on the matrix is parental controlled substances. These are in the high risk category, as well they should be. Bottom line, this shift to MDM should bolster your attempts to get your providers to do more robust documentation of their thought process. Why did they do what they did? What is their interpretation of the data? Why are they thinking that is a differential diagnosis? Did they discuss that with a consultant? It not only helps to see this, but it will be in their best interest too. The other choice is to bill based on time. There are lengths of time to meet or exceed, and the proposed rule has some wacky explanation of why CMS is planning on using a G-code instead of the CPT code. I strongly recommend you read the rule and submit comments. I think their addition is suspect. Also, give input on split shared again. They postponed implementation pending more comment. Feel free to refer to my previous ICD 10 Monitor article about Split Shared from February. And check out my current article on today's topic. Seize the opportunity to add your voice to the comments. And now allow me to add my wishes for a very happy birthday to you, Chuck, on Thursday. And I'm going to turn it back over to you. This is your present.
1: Thank you very much for that present. I really, really appreciate it. That is going to be a wrap for this edition of Talk 10 Tuesday. And I want to thank you all for being with us. And I want to thank uh, our special panelists today, Terry Fletcher, who reported our lead story. Laurie Johnson with the coding report. Tim Powell at the Talk 10 Tuesday News Test. Dr. John Selim uh, with his uh, journal entries. And a special thank you to our guest today. That would be Ernie Clevenger. Ernie, thanks for being on our program. And congratulations on your newly elected presidency. And a special thanks to you, my dear co-host, Dr. Erica Reamer. And remember, folks, you can listen to all the Talkin' Tuesday broadcasts on Stitcher, on Apple, Spotify, Google Play. And when you do, rate us. Give us a review. Until next Tuesday, I'm Chuck Buck reporting for Talkin' Tuesday and
0: ict 10 Monitor. Everyone have a great week. Talk 10 Tuesday is a production of ICD-10 Monitor.